Welcome everyone. It's good to see one another, especially times like this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. Let's stand and sing together from the uh, insert that you find in the bulletin. Uh, Number 77 will be singing if you read the music to the second tune. gracious God and Heavenly Father. You are our refuge and our comfort, our help in time of need. We sense our need at this time especially. You tell us that your compassions never fail and we cry out to you asking that you show your compassions Make us to be sensitive to them. And they never fail because you are the same yesterday and today and forever. Grant to us now, Lord, your gracious and comforting presence. 
so that our souls may be strengthened to accept with submission your afflicting and yet wise providence in calling a man loved by you, loved by us, out of this world. We ask for your help and your sustaining grace and the consolation that only one who has died and vanquished death for those whom he has saved can give. We ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom with yourself and the Holy Spirit we ascribe all honor and majesty and might and glory. Amen. Friends, we're here because it has pleased Almighty God in his wise providence to take out of this world Earl Henry Sykes, Jr. And we do grieve his loss. And yet, not as those who have no hope, for our hope and our consolation to be found in the saving work of God in Christ. And Earl found his hope and his blessing in that name, which is above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has promised never to leave us or forsake us. So let's console ourselves by hearing some portions of his word. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. And an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice and come forth. Those who did the good to a resurrection of life, those who committed evil to a resurrection of judgment. We might say, well, what is the good that we didn't know where to do? Jesus answered that when he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And finally, from God's word, the Apostle Paul writes, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit lives because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. This time we have two here who uh, are going to share with us a perspective on, uh, on Earl. Um, Kit, would you come first? Good afternoon, family and friends. On behalf of Mary Barbara and the family, words cannot convey the appreciation we feel for the expressions of love, comfort, prayers, and visits the congregation and friends gave to Earl and Mary Barbara during his extended illness. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Earl was the very best man to be my husband, my sister's husband of 40 years, my sister's husband of 40 years. Likewise, the Lord did well when he gave Mary Barbara to Earl, who cherished her dearly. I always admired Earl for a number of things, not the least of which was for thinking Mary Barbara was perfectly normal. Allow me to relate just one example. Years ago, Mary Barbara and I, with my two young children, were standing in line to see the exotic bird show at Wikiwachi in Florida. One of the birds let go with an extremely loud, raucous cry. My sister immediately repeated the call in just as loud and raucous a voice. I wished the ground would open up and swallow me on the spot. Moving forward many years later, Earl and Bubble were standing in the same exotic bird line when the same cry was admitted, emitted, and Bubble immediately and loudly called back. Then she turned to her husband and said, Kit would be so embarrassed. And to his credit, Earl said, why? Whenever I needed directions to a place, Earl's were exacting, clear, and so easy to follow. Likewise, when one asked Earl a question, one could expect him to research thoroughly before he rendered his opinion. In dealing with high-efficiency, low-water washing machines, he told me to do every load on heavy duty to trick the machine into filling up with more water. And computer problems? Call Earl. His advice was always spot on. Earl was a reverent, patient, reserved, and soft-spoken gentleman who raised two beautiful children. He endured a lot of physical pain throughout his life from some serious health problems, but he never, ever complained. I will remember him for his Christian witness, his humor, his wisdom, and for his love of Mary Barbara his family, and his Lord.
Thank you, Kit. And you've also made me feel more normal because I've always thought Earl would make me a good husband too. <laughs> just, I've just never expressed that before. You've, you've, you've given me a voice. Dale White, see if you can top that. Well, greetings um, to the family and friends here and in the Zoom room. Uh, I asked Mary Barber if it would be okay uh, with her to share some precious memories of my beloved friend and brother in the Lord, Earl Henry Sykes Jr. She said she likes it when people do so. So uh, I've been reflecting on the gain that has come to our brother Earl this past week and the heavenly host, and that has helped me in the process of working through the great loss we are experiencing. My hope is that this tribute will help you process the gain and the loss as well. Uh, My memories of Earl cover close to 50 years. When I first met Earl, it was when it was in our newborn years and the Lord, even though we were both in college at ODU. We found ourselves at the same church, Larchmont Baptist, just up the road about a mile from here. I enjoyed Earl's company then, and it just kept getting sweeter and more precious as we aged physically and spiritually together. We worked together with my father. Um, Dad owned a cleaning company and contracted with uh, insurance companies to restore homes and furnishing after fire damage. As has been noted, Earl was always a meticulous man and gave great attention to detail. He once spent a little too much time cleaning a chair. My dad teased him about that. Are you falling in love with that chair, Earl? And we all had a great laugh over that. Earl also enjoyed conversing. He would engage in very thought-provoking conversations with both Diane and me. There was a time when my high school sweetheart at the time, Diane, volunteered to serve punch at a church gathering where she didn't yet know uh, many of the folks there. Um, Earl kind of sided up to Diane like he was known to do. He had a special little way of coming up to people. And uh, as he moved on, he said, I have found that people don't want other folks to engage in conversations with them in gatherings like this will do things like serve punch. It was nonstop engagement after that. Um, Some of Earl's greatest smiles and laughs that I experience were when he and Diane were engaged in conversation. He would say some for me as well when we would gather for our one-on-one times. Um, Jessica shared that she had fond memories of Earl coming home from our times at Dunkin' Donuts and sharing some treats with the family. Um, Earl was among those gathered to dedicate my parents' home on Glenhaven Crescent after their renovation was completed in 1975. He knew that my dad was wanting the Lord to use the home to be a blessing to others. That prayer and desire was fulfilled in manifold ways over the years and carried on most blessedly when Earl and Mary Barbara bought the home in 1985. 
those of us who have had the privilege and pleasure of gathering there for a meal or Thanksgiving hymn celebration know what a blessed foretaste of heaven was experienced. We also began to meet in the living room on Glenhaven Crescent in 1978 for prayer about beginning a church uh, once the heralds returned from Bill's seminary years in Aberdeen, Scotland. Even then, Earl was known for his leadership, depth, and length of his prayers. Um, we were privileged to see him in his courtship years as well. One Saturday night after we gathered for our monthly prayer time, Earl was quick to help uh, Diane clean up things in the kitchen. We later found out that it was due to a scheduled call that was to take place with Mary Barbara when she was in Hawaii, um, working as a physical therapist and a captain in the army. There was a new and special smile that came over Earl's face when it came to his falling in love with Mary Barbara. Our children grew up together in each other's home and the church. Uh, my sons were blessed to have Earl and Mary Barbara as surrogate parents. Uh, we were Uncle Dale and Auntie Diane to Jessica and Jonathan. One quick, cute story that will probably embarrass Jessica. Um, Diane would often say to her, thank you very much. One day, Jessica said, Auntie Diane, I don't like it when you call me very much. <laughs> there were numerous local mission projects and even some abroad that were a part of their upbringing, which brought them closer together and to the Lord. To have served with Earl as an elder was a blessing that words cannot properly express. He would have such a sanctifying and loving influence over our session which was greatly needed in our early days when it was just him, Pastor Bill, and me. Um, <clears throat> he took his role as clerk of session quite seriously, and our minutes were rarely found by Presbytery to have any defects. When we started to have elders rotate and praying to dedicate the offering and bring prayers of supplication, Earl would take us to the throne of grace. That was a blessing beyond words. Uh, when his prayers started to approach the length of what some sermons might last, um, we had to take steps to shorten the prayers of at least the other elders. Uh, some of us tried to match Earl, at least in length. Uh, the depth of his prayers were unmatched. Um, then as Earl's health began to decline after bravely and quietly persevering through suffering for many years, he had to go on sabbatical from the session. We soon saw what a great loss we had experienced in his absence. In the last few weeks, when I had the opportunity to be with my brother, as the Lord was preparing him to be taken from this life, it was yet again Earl blessing me and showing me how to be at peace and rest in the Lord's hands. My last visit was the Tuesday before his soul departed from his body this past Monday. We had just sung, It Is Well With My Soul, the previous Sunday in church, and I had the music on my phone. I played the song and as best I could softly sang the words to my brother. I'm not sure, but I think I heard an amen when I was done. I don't know it was, if it was not verbally, it was certainly there in spirit. So I will conclude with this encouragement to all. 
I am fairly confident that our dear Earl prayed for all of us to be able to say these words, it is well with my soul. Please benefit one more time as you reflect upon the life of Earl the Beloved by seeking the Lord as he did. May the seeking of the Lord continue from today for the remainder of your days here. If so, you will be blessed and be a blessing as well. We will be prepared to spend hereafter with our Lord, Earl, and all the others that have gone before that await a grand reunion in our everlasting home in heaven. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord has given, he gives us all life. The Lord has taken away. He takes us out of this world. But the name of the Lord is to be blessed, whether he gives or whether he takes. Uh, Not just because he's the Lord, uh, and not just because he's good, but because whether he gives or whether he takes, it's a blessing. And as painful as the taking can seem at the time, it's as full of blessing and oftentimes more full of blessing than the giving of the obvious blessings. The Lord gave us Earl. The Lord took him away. As he was fading ever so slowly, we were blessed meeting with him talking with him, listening to him. But uh, when he became unable even to speak, we came to the point very tenderly, and it was by a collective consciousness more than any kind of an actual verbal expression. But we were saying, God, let the man go. Let the man go. He still lingered. And so we were struggling to find the blessing of the Lord. And I was asked as his pastor several times, why doesn't God take him? The only thing I knew to say is that God does work in our lives as long as we're in this world. And he has work for us to do as long as we're in this world. Something's still happening in the soul of Earl. And believe it or not, something good is still happening in our lives because he's lingering. Everyone who knew Earl knew that he was a man of few words. His quietness, and when he spoke, his soft-spokenness, these qualities were not indications that he had few or unworthy thoughts. For those who really knew him, For those who had ears to hear in the language that that Earl spoke, which was more often silence than anything else. Uh, For those who had patience to wait for understanding, Earl, we learned, had quite a lot to communicate. Mutual friends of ours here and of uh, Earl's 
Earls and Mary Barber, uh, Dan and Marilee Sarcopato. I believe I have this right. They were the ones who coined the, uh, the designation Earl the Pearl. Earl the Pearl. And uh, I thought about that on and off over the years, working with Earl, and I thought the Pearl, well, I guess he is a Pearl. But uh, I was thinking about this, especially uh, this week. And uh, why does that seem right? Calling Earl the Pearl. Now, nobody would consider that an insult. So we think, well, it's a, it's a compliment. It's an expression of appreciation. Pearls, everybody knows, are beautiful and valuable. So that's what it's saying. But I think it's saying, while saying that, I think it's saying much more than that. Earl was really like a pearl. Pearls don't say too much. Pearls don't do too much. But they are universally regarded as precious and beautiful, even in the Bible, by the Son of God. He likened the kingdom of heaven as the pearl of great price. Pearls do, while they don't speak in words, communicate fascinating information for those interested to understand how they form. Well, we probably all do know how they form. A bit of grit, a piece of sand too large gets into the oyster, and the oyster can't eject it. And so the oyster in its own body begins to secrete substance that takes away the irritation of the grit and keeps layer after layer until it's smooth and it's beautiful. Earl's life was full of irritation, just like your life and my life is full of irritation. Nobody in the world lives a happy life every day of their lives. Nobody in this world is constantly joyful. We all have fears. We all have doubts. We all have hopes and aspirations and then disappointments when they don't real, aren't realized. We want to put a name to this. We call it unfortunate. We call it inevitable. But the Bible calls it sin. We live in a world where sin can sound a religious name, but it just means we always make mistakes. That's what the word sin actually means in the original language. We mistake things. Take what we shouldn't and don't take what we should. We mistake to ourselves. We were made by God and we were made by fel for fellowship with God. But we mistake God. We don't want to take him. We either don't see him and think I can't see it so he must not be real of course, that doesn't stop us from using our cell phones, but we take something we shouldn't have, which God calls stealing. We reject the good gifts he gives, all of that. That's sin. And that's what God saves us from, really saves us from ourselves. But the irritation continues even when we're uh, believers in Christ. We still sin. 
And we try and process it in different ways, either denying it and trying to justify ourselves, vilifying the other person, telling us we're wrong, or we become morbidly introspective and have a competition with others. I'm the worst sinner. And we refuse to ever smile because we think, I'm, if I, you knew how bad I was, you would know I had no right to smile. Those are two extremes that have nothing to do with what the irritation is supposed to be doing in us. Because just as the oyster secretes the cover and encase the grit, so if we're in Christ, we have a new nature. We have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We, we live on different food than we used to. We, we read the Bible and find it even better than physical meals. We don't stop eating our physical meals. It's just that our physical meals don't touch our minds, don't touch our emotions, don't touch the essential us the way that the food of God does in his word. Earl's irritation was his sin properly processed. And by that, I mean this. Every time he sinned, he was the quickest person I know of to run to God. When most of us sin, we run away from God. We think, I've offended him. He's mad at me. He's going to punish me. He's disappointed in me. I'm a failure. Earl didn't deny his sin. And that's another way we try and process it. Oh, I don't, I don't have any sin. There's nothing wrong with me. Earl knew he was a sinner. And if you asked him, he would tell you. And if you said, what are some examples? He wouldn't hold back. I know of a number of examples he shared with me. Believe me, Earl was such a sinner that nothing but the blood of the Son of God could help him. And that's true of any sinner. So Earl wrestled with his sin by running to God, counterintuitively. And the result was always he would shine more brightly because he wrestled with God and found that God every time was his loving, forgiving, merciful, gracious, heavenly father, every time. And that's why, some of why Earl was so quiet, because he just went away and pondered how good God was and hungered and thirsted or more time with the Lord. Earl could and did speak words. They were few, but they were full of loving wisdom. Dale alluded to our session meetings, and poor Earl was just about torn apart between two stubborn bulls. Uh, but uh, he managed to keep us from killing each other, and, and we didn't injure him too much in the process. But as the session grew in number, we became more elegant in our confusion. And there sits Earl quietly, 
while we're all debating and parsing words and thinking this word or this phrase is of monumental significance. No, it's this phrase. And sometimes the exchange gets heated and there's Earl. I think he's sitting back there completely copping out. So I'd call him, I was a moderator. Earl, can you help us? Every time I asked Earl to speak, he not only spoke, but he would cut the Gordian knot. And suddenly it was like Jesus stilling the stormy sea. We were at peace. We were in love with each other again. Earl, like the pearl, didn't speak so much in audible terms, but he spoke in terms of visuality. He was light. He was light. And anywhere Earl was, you begin to sense something is better now here. I can't quite put my finger on it. He doesn't come announcing to you, hello, I'm Earl, I'm here, things will be better. Just happened wherever he was. He sweetened every, every situation he was in. He brought light to the darkness. He was light. And I don't ever remember him being what some people would consider a very good evangelist. He didn't spend any time that I know of running around and grabbing people off the streets and saying, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell, you need to be saved. I never. Did you ever hear him do anything like that? And yet he touched countless lives just by being who he was. He made people think about deeper things than just their jobs and their physical comforts and their worries. His words were few, but full of wisdom, and especially his words, as has been alluded to, offered to God in prayer. That's because, friends, as much as we love Earl, as much as he loved us, he loved God better than any of us. And because he loved God better than any of us, he loved us better than just about anybody we know in our lives. We knew we could tell Earl anything, absolutely anything, about ourselves. Now, we all can tell people things about other people, can't we? That's easy to do, and we enjoy doing that, and we think we're being righteous and all that. Earl, you could tell your deepest, darkest secret to And he would not back off from you because he never found God backed off from him when he went to God with his deepest, darkest secret because he knew his God loved him. Earl was fond of quoting an old Puritan who uh, said with regard to sin, sin matters. Of course it matters. It necessitated for our redemption, the son of God. But sin does not matter nearly so much as the blood of the lamb. So for every time you think about your sin, think 10 times about the love of God that prompted the giving of his son.
to die for you. That was a Puritan who, who, who grasped that and Earl loved it. Yes, his prayers were long and they especially agitated me when I was over the house for a meal and all his food is on the table and the, the fragrance is wafting. And I'm thinking, Mary, I tried to, you know, make it sound virtuous, like I cared about somebody other than myself. I'm thinking to myself, Mary Barbara went to all this trouble to prepare this and the food's getting cold and Earl's going to wax eloquent and long in a, in a theological discourse that's going to last an hour called a blessing. And then he'd start blessing. It was long. But it never failed to process this way through me. And I think anybody else who was at that table, any time. Because everybody goes in there thinking, we're here to eat. We're not here to have Bible study. Oh, God, I've judged my brother wrongly again. Oh, God, give me patience. He's going to go on for 20 more minutes. Give me patience. Give me that virtue at least. And then, oh God, don't let him stop. Don't let him stop. Now, the interesting thing was, I don't ever remember the food being unduly cold. Because Earl, I think, put God first. And the laws of nature held in abeyance for a time. And we had wonderful meals together. When Earl retired, took his sabbatical, he assured me. I thought I'd better go and ask him. And if he, if he resists, I'll try and guilt him into it. But I went to say, brother, you know you could still pray for us and we need it. Before the words were out of my mouth, he says, I know what you're going to say. I I'll, I'll quote you uh, what uh, Joshua said and Samuel said and others have said, I, far be it that I should sin against the Lord, Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I got you guys covered. And as the years went on with Earl and sabbatical, I began to think of our session meetings as the land of Israel. Israel, you may or may not know, is covered by an iron dome. Not a literal iron dome, but it's, you know, something similar to what we have in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's supposed to keep all the rockets and all the fighter jets and everything out of Israel. And it, it works fairly well. I thought, we're in the iron dome of Earl's prayers. So when it was obvious and people came to me and kept saying as Earl was fading, how near the end is he? You have experience with this. I said, I don't have experience with this. He's off the charts. He's, he's lived way beyond what I think anybody has ever done in this situation. But when it became evident that it was going to be days, if not hours, I had the worst night's sleep that I can remember in a long time. I just was seized with fear about prayers of Earl no longer being with us. And then I remembered when people asked me, why doesn't the Lord take him and end his suffering? And I said, and I didn't know what else to say, and I did think it was at least partly true. God is still doing work in Earl, and God is still doing work 
in us from Earl's prayers. I woke up in the night and I remembered that. And I said, go back to sleep. It was one of the few things you've ever said that was right. Go back to sleep. I did. His work here is done. It's not just his sufferings, but his work, his labors. If he came into the room today, we would everyone fall down on the ground and worship him. We would think he's God. Because today he looks like God perfectly. He sounds like God. He acts like God perfectly. I'm not saying he's praying for us in the way that Jesus prays for us at the right hand of God. But the prayers of Earl have done their work and will continue to bear their fruit throughout the rest of our lives. Well, those are my words of consolation. But I want Earl to have the last word here with us. It's not, it's not usual that a man gets to speak at his own funeral. But Earl Sykes, quiet man, the little wheels always ticking and turning in his brain. He figured out a way to be here with us. So one of our other elders, Michael, would you come and speak to us what uh, you have to say? Under the, the restrictions that we've had with our meetings, um, one of the things that has changed for now is that we meet as a congregation on Sunday evenings instead of having our usual times of worshiping the Lord corporately. We um, gather together and we, we find out how we can pray for one another and, and thank the Lord for his works. And um, we, we have a time to hear of how in the past the Lord has worked um, in bringing us to know him. Um, I was very eager for Earl to have a chance to tell us about how the Lord brought him to be reconciled to him. And um, in August, Earl wrote these words, giving testimony of, of the Lord's work in his life. He starts with a quote from Psalm 25. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to thy loving kindness, remember thou me for thy goodness sake. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Earl then says, at an early age, I was a great sinner. These verses help me to take my eyes off of myself and look to Christ for his mercy. What kind of sin can a child do? A lot. Growing up, Sundays became increasingly empty. When I was 20, I started looking for something to fill the void. Settled for a time studying Eastern religion, 
It was interesting, but not satisfying. College life was not supplying any answers. I heard about a Christian cafe at the oceanfront and decided to go and see what it was about. That was way out of character for me. I found a place in the back of the room so I could observe what was going on. There was a table in front of me with about five college-aged men and women chatting away and enjoying their conversation. I thought to myself, if they were really committed to truth, that they would invite me to join them. One of the women did that before I could get the thought completed. Their conversation was mainly about Christ and their recent experiences. I was struck by how they talked about Christ. They had real communion with him and daily fellowship. This really got my attention, for I had never experienced that. I only thought of Jesus as a historical character. As the cafe was closing, they invited me for a walk on the boardwalk to continue our discussion. They shared the gospel with me, but I was too proud to receive it. They gave me a tract that summarized their gospel presentation. I went home. It was past midnight, but I could not rest or get out of my mind their fellowship with the risen Christ. I read through the tract and a heavy load of guilt was pressing down on me. But I also had a sense that Jesus could do something about it. I prayed to the Lord for forgiveness and a deep peace came over me and I had the best sleep ever. When I awoke, I could tell something had changed. There were three changes in my life. One, I got a Bible and started reading. I read Genesis through Second Chronicles that summer. I stunned my mother when visiting her. I told her I could no longer eat pork. When I got to the New Testament, I was happy to start eating pork again. Number two, I got rid of all my records because of all the negative content. Number three, I got rid of all my Eastern religion books. When I returned to Old Dominion for the fall semester, I looked up a Bible study group in my Gresham dorm complex and told them I was a new Christian. Jerry would not believe me. I was a terrible student at the time. A few weeks later, he changed his mind. Sometime after that, a mutual friend told me that Jerry felt my conversion was one of the most encouraging things he had ever experienced. Jerry wanted me to go to church with him, and I was a little hesitant to go, but I did. When we got there, I noticed the two ladies who had shared with me at the boardwalk were singing in the choir. I figured that was not a coincidence. When I was a senior in high school, one of my friends was driving. We didn't know the area well, and he went down the wrong way, down a one-way street. I saw a huge church building and thought, who would waste their time there? Now, here I was a few years later, worshiping the Lord in that same church. There were two challenging moments in my Christian life. First, I was walking to prayer meeting one evening in October. I was crossing the bridge on Collie Avenue. It was an old, narrow bridge with wooden planks you walked on. There was a strong gust of wind. 
the thought came to me, throw your Bible in the water and learn to walk by the Spirit. I wasn't sure what to think, but verses would come to me, for example, where Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures to find me, but you won't come to me. It was like using the scriptures to justify why I should throw out the Bible. I wasn't sure what to think, but I held on to the Bible. As soon as I was off the bridge, the wind immediately died. When I came back from prayer meeting that night, crossing the same bridge, all was calm, but I was still troubled. Secondly, the pastor wanted me to attend a church business meeting and get the full experience of Christian life. The meeting started off normally. Halfway through, a disagreement broke out. That is not unusual, but the disagreement escalated to strong disagreement, then anger, then eventually swearing. That's when the thought came, you see, Christianity is a big farce. There's no power in it to subdue our passions. I was very troubled by these incidents. I talked to my Christian brothers back at the dorm who helped me to see that I was in real spiritual warfare. I was a very young believer and there was so much I did not understand. I learned the importance of Christian fellowship in working through spiritual challenges. About age 21, I met Dale White and his dad. When I was about 23, I met Bill and Debbie Harrell when their family showed up at church I was attending. Later, Butch and Marion Harper, who were not believers at the time, came to the church. Dan and Marilee Sarcopedo, Bill McDonald, and Buck were there also. When Bill Harrell went off to Scotland for seminary in 1978, that small group of believers planned to form a church in Norfolk when Bill finished his seminary studies. This group met monthly to pray and financially support the Heralds. I was now about 26 and working. I became convicted that I had been praying too much to have a wife. I asked the Lord, would he burden someone else to pray for that concern while I would pray for other matters? A group of us went to a Christian conference in Atlanta. During one of the breaks, Dan Sarcopato said, you will never guess what I am praying for you. I replied, I do know you are praying for my wife. Dan was shocked that I knew. I think he thought his wife merrily had told me. I explained to Dan what I had asked the Lord and that Dan was the answer. Almost to the day, a year later, visiting Butch and Marion Harper, while they were stationed in Hawaii, I met Mary Barbara. That is another story that would take a good hour to cover all the points. The first church service for Emmanuel was June 1981. Mary Barbara was pregnant with Jessica. Jessica became the first baby Bill baptized at Emmanuel. We became a particular church in October 1983. As a member of the session, I would like to thank all for the prayer support for the session over these years. Many challenges were overcome by your prayers over the years. Thank you for all your prayers for wisdom. It pleased the Lord to hear and grant them, especially for humbling me. Take courage during the COVID event. The Lord will see us through as he has so many times in the past. 
It is good to remember his past mercies as we ask for new ones. Due to my health, I could only give a brief testimony. I want to thank Michael for reading it. The testimony of Earl Henry Sykes, Jr., August 2020. Let's sing. I should have mentioned that uh, these, these two hymns were specifically selected by Earl. So uh, he's, he's had his hand in our lives in all sorts of ways that we didn't know all along. And he's still doing so now. 582 from the insert.
standing, please, and uh, the benediction and first prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the great blessing that you have poured upon us, the life and the strength and the declining strength, the bearing of affliction upon affliction, and even the death of our brother, Earl Sykes. We pray that you would comfort us with your salvation, especially those nearest to Earl, whom you've now called out of this life and into your glorious presence and everlasting joy. Grant your consoling grace to all of us who knew him, who loved him, and who were loved by him. Bring your sweet comfort to his beloved wife, Mary Barbara, to his children, Jessica and Jonathan, his grandchildren, Benjamin, Samuel, Lucy, to his siblings, Buck and Tommy, Kathy, and his wider family of in-laws. Grant us all grace, Lord, that we may consider the solemn providence of this death before us and so learn by your grace and power to live in faithfulness to you and in love and kindness towards each other. Grant that we may increasingly live for your glory while our day lasts. And hear us as we pray together, as Jesus taught us this Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.